The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Hey, podcast listeners, our sermon is based on the first reading for the time of Easter from Acts chapter 2. We'll read verse 14a and verses 36 to 41. Here's what St. Luke records to us. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, What shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. And now, our sermon. It's easy to miss the significance of those first four words in our lesson. Really is. Did you notice what St. Luke was able to write there? He said, then Peter stood up. Like it was just any other day, like, this is what Peter does. He stands up in front of crowds and proclaims the Easter message. But do you remember Peter before Easter? All it took was one little servant girl to cow him in private. She went up to him and said, Surely you were with him, the Galilean. And, you know, Peter famously denied it. And he even begins to call down curses on himself. I don't know the man, Peter says. That was Peter before Easter. This is Peter after Easter. You see that? So Peter, after Easter, there's this crowd that had formed on Pentecost, 50 days. Excuse me, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. They heard the violent wind. They saw the tongues of fire. They heard other apostles speaking in tongues, other languages. And then, and then, the man who had been cowed by just one servant girl he stood up in front of a crowd that was mocking him. And he addressed the crowd. I mean, it's easy to miss that. It's easy to miss the fact that Easter made a profound change inside of Peter. Don't you agree? But in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the crowd was changed even more than Peter was. We've been following this crowd, haven't we? 
you've been with us the last several weeks, we've been following this crowd. You remember the crowd? The crowd that forms in Jerusalem. It's always forming in Jerusalem. The crowd that followed Jesus from Jericho into Jerusalem. The crowd, remember what the crowd did on Palm Sunday? Two blind men shouting out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And the crowd says, shut up. And Jesus ignores the crowd and goes and heals them. Remember the crowd? The crowd. When the city of Jerusalem asks the crowd, who is this? They respond with this really awful, disappointing answer. This is Jesus the prophet. Not Jesus the Savior. Not Jesus the King. Not Jesus the Son of God, as Peter had said. Jesus the prophet. Remember the crowd, the crowd that we've been following, the crowd who stood right there as the leaders encouraged them, say to Pilate, crucify him. Crucify him. And that's exactly what they did. They stood there and they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, even though he was an innocent man. This is this crowd that we've been following. Remember the crowd? We've been following them all this time. And now, and now, St. Luke tells us, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And this crowd was mocking Peter, because this is what the crowd always does. They're ignorant of the works of God, and they mock the works of God, just they, like they mocked Jesus on the cross. They mocked him. They've had too much to drink. But you know what God's going to do? Through a sermon. You know what God's going to do? He's going to take this crowd and make this crowd into the church. It's really quite stunning They start out as a crowd, and at the end, Luke's able to write about them. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And let me tell you something about this. We're going to see this next week. They became quite a little church, didn't they? Devoted to the Word of God. Unstoppable in the face of persecution. I mean, this is what happened to the crowd. The crowd went from mean, the crowd went from shouting crucify him, to an unstoppable, incredible church. Now, that's what we want for ourselves, don't we? We want God, like he did for Peter, to to move us from timid to bold. And we want God to move a crowd of people, you could say, and make us into a devoted, compassionate, unstoppable church. And that's what's exactly what Peter is going to help us do today. You know where it starts? It starts with cutting. It starts with the law of God. And so you know what Peter said to the crowd? This is, this is what he did. He actually makes the whole crowd into a unit, into a collective unit. He lumps them all together so that nobody is left out. Nobody can say, I'm not guilty. He says this. He says, therefore, 
Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And let me tell you this. This might be a surprise to you. Easter is not good news for everybody. It's really not because, look, if you killed the guy who came back to life, you better watch out. Easter is not good news for everybody. And that's what Peter wants us to understand. And this is what he does. He says, this is what God did with Peter. And I'm going to take you back into the sermon a little bit. This is what God did with Jesus. God gave to Jesus miraculous signs. God gave to Jesus signs and wonders. God took this Jesus and made him the Savior of the world. God took this Jesus and raised him from the dead. God took this Jesus and ascended him up on high and put him in on his, at his own right hand. God took this Jesus and put all of his enemies under his feet. That's what God did with Jesus. And then Peter does something amazing. He does this little comparison. God did that with Jesus. And this is what you did with Jesus. Do you see that? Let me read it again. Let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified. Both Lord and Christ. So it's it's simple comparison. God did this. You did this. You took nails and put one in his right hand, one in his left hand, and one in his feet. You made a foundation for the cross, and you set it up, you left him there to die, and then you mocked him. You killed him. That's what Peter says to the crowd. And that's something that we need to think about this morning. Peter wants the crowd to think about that. We already know what God did with Jesus. The only question that remains, and it's a deadly serious one, is what are you doing with Jesus? Do you give him a throne in your heart? Lift him up? This is my God and my Savior and my Lord. You give him your everything. Like God did. All your wealth, your treasures, your very life, and say, This is, it's all for you, Jesus. Because that's what God did. Or we could attack this a little bit different way. How about this? Fill in the blank, fill in the blank. God did this with Jesus. God has made this Jesus whom you. How would you finish that sentence? God has made this Jesus whom you sometimes love, sometimes ignore. God has made this Jesus whom you sometimes pursue and sometimes not pursue. God has made this Jesus whom you maybe misunderstand. What do you do with Jesus? Because what God does is he raises him from the dead, 
and he puts them at his own right hand and puts everything, everything, everything under his feet. This is right here where the crowd, the crowd got really, really quiet. And actually, this is what St. Luke tells us what happens. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I mean, Peter, he'd done his job. He'd gotten out the long, bony finger of the law and he said, you killed him. You crucified him. It was you. Actually, what he had done is he got out a scalpel and he performed surgery and he had cut and he had cut and he had cut until that law got all the way to their hearts. That's what he says. He cut them all the way to the heart. And the people could feel that there was some kind of surgery going on. The people knew it. They could feel it all the way in their hearts. That knife was right there. And so what they say is, brothers, what shall we do? It's right there where we got to pause, I think. We have to pause right here and do a little bit of reflection. A little bit of, sort of, say, theological reflection. I'm going to apologize in advance for this because I'm going to, I'm going to get up in my bully pulpit for a second. This is not what Peter says next. He does not say, get down on your knees and feel really bad for your sins. You really need to feel these sins. They're heavy and they're awful. Get down on your knees and feel it. Go home and pray about it for a while. Maybe God will lift you up out of the darkness. It's not what he says. He also doesn't say this. He doesn't say, let me give you this tract. Meditate on the stick figure that's burning in hell. Just do it. And then um, pray the sinner's prayer. And maybe then, maybe then, Jesus will live in your heart. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say that at all. He, he, he also doesn't say, look, I, I need you to do ten Hail Marys. And then say, be our Father like 20 times to make up for your sins. He doesn't say that either. I mean, what he says, this is so important for us to get, is something altogether different. And I need you to really understand this. Jesus isn't a dog. And I know that sounds stupid. It should be obvious. But so many Christians out there think that Jesus is a dog. And that you can just sort of get down on your knees and say, come Jesus, I'm ready now. My, my, my heart is finally open that... And you can finally make your throne in my heart because today is the day when I'm going to make my decision for you. Jesus isn't a dog. And you don't get to call him. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. All right, I'm done now. (laughs) This is what Peter says. Repent and be baptized. 
And I need you to understand this word repent a little bit more. Because Peter doesn't need the people to feel more contrition. They don't need to get sadder. They don't need to understand that they're sinners better. Because they've always been cut to the heart. What the word repent means when it's right next to baptism is simply this. Believe. Believe. And then get your sins washed away. That's what he says. So it's that simple. He just goes to the people. He says, believe the gospel. And then get all of your sins washed away. And this time it's not corporate either. It's individual. He says, every single one of you. For the forgiveness of sins. So there's lots of churches out there that really struggle with that. Baptism for the forgiveness of sins? What? No. Baptism washes all of your sins away. You know what else it gives to you? The Holy Spirit. And it's not just for you either. It's for your whole family. It's also for babies. Little kids. Go figure, right? It's not just for them either. It's for everybody, everybody who's far away. That's what Peter says. And you know what happens? One by one, one baptism at a time, the crowd becomes the church. That's what happens. So I want to tell you this. And I want all of you to be assured of this. If you're not baptized right now, what are you waiting for? It's time. You can even, I even did this for you. There's a, there's a spot right on the Connect cards that says, get baptized. You can check that off. We'll baptize you next week. If you haven't baptized your children yet, Baptize your children. What are you waiting for? The promise is for them, too. For the forgiveness of sins. And I want to assure you this. If you are baptized, if you are baptized, this is what I can tell you. All of your sins are forgiven. You are washed completely and utterly clean in Jesus' holy name. And you have the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's what Peter says. You know what's just happened? You know what's just happened? God, one by one, one baptism at a time, He's making us people who used to be a crowd, people who used to not know Jesus, misunderstand Him, even ignore Him, He's making us into His church. That's what He's doing. Timid Peter became bold Peter. That's what we see in this lesson. The crowd became the Christian church. And trust me when I say it, they were an amazing church. We're going to see that throughout the season of Easter here. Today, God is building His church once more 
through a sermon. It's what we're going to call Act 2. Because Jesus was Act 1. He is the one who made all of this possible, but now today begins Act 2. And this is what we're going to see throughout the season of Easter. It's going to be amazing. We're going to see, and we already did, a crowd become a church. We're going to see that church become the most devoted people, the most devoted church that has ever walked the face of the earth. It's just an amazing church. We're going to see this church become zealous for the Word of God. We're going to see this church become incredibly, incredibly diverse. That's what's going to happen in the book of Acts. We're going to see this church be willing to be stoned for the sake of Jesus. We're going to see this church become absolutely, absolutely unstoppable. That's what we're going to see during this Easter season. All by the power of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Amen.